Hi, everyone. My name is Oliver Turner. I'm the Executive Vice President of Corporate Development for Coral Resources, a Western Australian gold producer that's expanding both gold and soon nickel production. I left him in there, isn't there? That's right. Yeah. We just spun it out into a new vehicle, but we've got that too. Uh, like most places in Western Australia, we've got outcropping pegmatites on surface, and we put that into a new vehicle called Cali Metals, which actually, uh, it's a good thing you asked that, just uh, finished their IPO financing, oversubscribed $15 million uh, raise they've done. Mm -hmm. That thing should be trading by the end of the year, and core shareholders uh, will own just over 25% of it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, well, welcome to London. Let's start with that. Hello. You. Um, you're over here, obviously, to see investors and, and shareholder shareholders alike. Mm -hmm. um, but you've also got a, you've had a bit of news out quarterly. Let's run through some numbers first of all, because I want to kind of get into where the growth is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. So we just recorded the uh, third quarter, so that brings us another forty thousand ish ounce quarter. Uh, you know, consistently delivering about one hundred twenty thousand ounces through mm -hmm. three quarters of the year. Remember, our guidance is one forty five to one sixty uh, in terms of ounces this year. So while on track to delivering into that guidance. Cost side, uh, well within our guided range as well of 1100 to 1250 Year to date, we're 1188 These are US dollars per ounce, uh, so tracking well there. Added $13 million in cash to the balance sheet as we, you know, we're entering into a strong cash generation phase, which is great. Great place to be. Uh, earnings performance in line with analyst estimates, which is good as well. So everything uh, functioning as it should. Okay, so you know, as, as an operating and ongoing business, um, everything's under control. As much as it can be, but let, let's talk about some of the things that you're under that are under control that will affect your ability to deliver kind of a, a, a different growth profile next year. We're expecting gold to really kind of fly next year. Okay, so in terms of things like you mentioned, um, ASIC or AIC, AISC, whichever you want to go with, um, is that is that heading the right direction at the moment? Or are you still suffering from sort of inflationary pressures? Out there in yeah, the market, so we've seen in Western Australia. So Western Australia is definitely, you know, the mining industry as a whole has seen obviously over the course of the last two years mm. massive increases in input costs. Right? Whether it's consumables and you know diesel reagents, labor has absolutely been the biggest one, and we've seen that you know globally across the sector. Yeah, Western Australia has certainly been a bit of a pressure cooker version of that. It's more of a captive labor pool that you have there, uh, particularly during the shutdowns uh, prior during during COVID. Opening that up did bring in some uh, labor, you know, external laborers back into the picture. So what we've seen in terms of input costs, consumables have actually started to come down, which is good over the course of this year, right? Mm -hmm. But labor is always sticky. So labor is not increasing as it was over the course of the last year or so, but we started to see it plateau. That is a sticking cost. We live in a new paradigm for all gold producers everywhere. You know, if you look at some of the senior gold producers in terms of the ranges that they have now, what used to be an eleven or a thousand to twelve hundred dollar company uh, in terms of ASIC is now an eleven to fourteen hundred dollar company in terms of ASIC. That hundred to maybe hundred fifty bucks an ounce is here to stay for most gold producers. But we have a unique ability to battle that on two fronts. Uh, one is in terms of increasing grades at Beta Hunt, which is a project we're going to be working on, and also on a per ounce basis lowering our costs. And then the second one, of course, is the massive nickel potential that we have as a byproduct to continue to drive those costs down. So next year, as is in our guidance, uh, you know, we will be delivering as that guidance. But how do we attack that cost line going forward is something we're excited about. Right. And I guess it really is a case of return on capital investors. So talk, talk about you know, where you're deploying that capital, kind of increase those answers, grades. And obviously, the contribution from nickel is, is, is welcome. But, you know, go first. Yeah, I mean, I definitely is the same story we've been telling uh, for for quite a few years now. Um, you know, deploying this capital into beta hunt. So, that, you know, for your for your investors that have been following the story for a while, one of the big turning points in this company was in 2020 when we wound back royalties at beta hunt, 
and we eliminated a royalty of Higginsville that had been encumbering these assets for a very long period of time. Uh, since that date, in terms of resource growth and production growth and ramping everything up at our flagship beta hunt, which really is the, the engine room of this company, uh, we have seen tremendous return via the drill bit. We've had three drills turning underground. For $35 an ounce Australian, we have added ounces to MI resources. And in about four years, we've taken, uh, just prior to those royalty unwindings, we've taken beta hunt for about 400,000 ounces up to 2.4 million ounces in our resource and reserve update last year. Uh, we will be updating resources and reserves again here in the next couple of weeks, which we're quite excited to get out to the market. Uh, certainly some some good efforts have gone into that over the course of this year, so stay tuned for that. Um, but the drill bit, the drill bit, the drill bit has been very important for us. One of the things we are evaluating next year is with the, and we'll talk about some of the infrastructure upgrades we've done mm -hmm. as well, uh, with the improvements in the infrastructure that we've executed on over the course of this year, can we increase the pace of our drilling? Can we get even more aggressive with the drill bit? Look, it just keeps returning time and time again, so why wouldn't you? Okay, exactly where I was going with in terms of that infrastructure investment now mm -hmm. would benefit later. Yep. Because when you get into production and when you kind of um, get, build yourself up to a certain size, the danger is with, with guys like you is you're applying the money back in the ground and investors are trying hard to work out what the value to them is now. And in the future. So in terms of that return of investment profile, I mean, what are you looking to achieve? Yeah, it's very important. I mean, you're building a mine that is, you know, the, the potential to be a multi-decade operation, right? It's been in, it was an operation for several decades prior as a nickel operation. 400 kilometers of infrastructure is already in place. And had that infrastructure not put in place, they wouldn't have mined 66,000 nickel tons over the course of 35 years. The same thing goes with what we're doing today, right? Now we have the huge advantage, which has been one of the reasons why we've been able to grow that resource base so quickly and ramp up production of that infrastructure being in place. But there are virgin areas we're going into, right? I mean, if you start to think about what's coming into the mine plan next year, so we've had Western Flanks and Azo, the, the two drivers of this business for four years. We've got Larkin coming into the mine plan uh, next year. Outside of the resources that we currently have, we have Fletcher, Cowsill, Mason, East Alpha. We have the whole gamma uh, 50C discovery in nickel, and there, guess what? There's gold underneath that as well. So there are going to be brand new gold areas and brand new nickel areas that we'll be going into that this, will, this mine will be accessing over the course of the next 10 plus years. In order to access that, you need to put infrastructure in today in order to continue to build out your mine plan, add years to your mine light, build out your resource base, drill from new areas, and as I alluded to before, start to think about how do we start to improve some of the grades of beta hunt in some of these new areas. Right, okay. So you, and let me and to take this the right way. It, it's, it's a case of what have you done for me lately, right? I get the tough market. It's a tough market for everyone. Precious metal really been beaten up for the last, last three years. Yeah. So talk to me about your company profile. Because yeah. when it comes back to that, what have you done for me lately thing is like, well, we are, we are setting up for the future, trust us, it'll be okay. What's what's so great about your company profile that fund managers, retail alike, should be looking into and valuing? Oh yeah, I mean, so if you look at this business, the fundamental underlying business, what's what's been accomplished over the last several years, right? So I started off with the, the royalty unwinding. You know, twenty twenty was a great year for gold. Everybody enjoyed it. Uh, we certainly did. Um, twenty twenty, we wound back those royalties, right? Uh, we started to expand our resource base. We discovered all these new shear zones that I just mentioned. We've discovered seven new shear zones in the last four years at Beta Hunt that will add meaningfully to the value of the company because once those come to resource, they're part of your net asset value of the company, right? 
We've improved um, the nickel picture, which before was just remnant mining. Now we've got over a billion dollars worth of nickel sitting in the ground, drilled out in resource today, right? At Higginsville, we've mined several of the deposits that we've had. We've also extended the lives of some of those deposits. We've added a second mill. We now have 2.6 million tons of milling capacity for as part of this growth plan. We have de-risked a lot of the projects that we've been investing into. We've increased productivity rates. We've uh, improved uh, mining practices. We've added additional equipment. We've built a foundation for a very large operating business, the kind of business which is things that mid-tiers and seniors need to tuck into their portfolio in order to continue growing their businesses. And if you start looking at the last several years in terms of what's tough in the bull market, we've gone from a company that was producing under 100,000 ounces a year, we're going to do 145 to 160,000 ounces this year, and then we're going to step that up again next year. That is a very, very aggressive growth plan over the course of three years. But Okay, but how does big convert into benefit from me as a shareholder, whether I'm an existing shareholder or new, share, new shareholder coming into this company, whether yeah. I'm an institutional guy, whether I'm a retail guy, why is big better? Yeah, two ways. So first and foremost, you're generating more cash, right? So as a bigger operation with maintaining the same margins, you're generating more cash for shareholders. You're generating it on a per share basis. You're adding more cash to the balance sheet. And if you look at what we've done again, coming back over the last three years, We've done two financings. We did one to shore up the balance sheet when he first joined. So mm -hmm. he was on his final legs in terms of his financial yeah. position. And then we financed the acquisition of the milk and oversubscribed financing in a very, very tough market in order to secure that. Since then, we've all of the things that we've accomplished, we've, gen we've generated cash to fund that, right? Which has been very, very important. Mm -hmm. Going forward, as this thing continues to ramp up, you start to generate more cash that goes to the balance sheet that eventually it will evaluate ways to distribute that to shareholders, right? Mm -hmm. Number one. And number two, how is bigger better? The multiple game. So the way that multiples work in this business, right? If you are a junior exploration company that is starting with a, you know, a new discovery, typically you trade as something that's called the PNAV multiple, right? You'll trade as something about 0.2 to 0.3 times your PNAV, right? You actually have some very advanced developers that are still trading that low because the financing condition is very, very tough. As you graduate into a junior gold producer and then a larger junior gold producer, you're considered to be a lower risk business and you start to attract bigger pools of capital. Your multiple of your value starts to move up into the 0.5 to 0.7 range. We're right at the 0.75 times right now. That's where we are. Right in line with our peers, actually a slight premium in, in, over the last week to, to where our peers are. As you start to get into the mid-tier producer, right, we're starting to think 500,000 ounces a year now. You start to get closer to that one times nav. And as you move into the senior producer space, you start to get a premium on your asset value because you're basically being told by investors that they think you're going to be able to continue to grow this business because you have a track record of doing it. And you look at the Agnicos of the world, they're trading at 1.2 times. The lowest risk business in this entire sector, which is favored by external investors, right? is then the royalty business. Some of those royalty companies are trading at two times nav, right? You look at the Francos of the world, right? So that's the that's the multiple that you get on the value of your company. As a management team, our job is to continue to increase the value of that business, the fundamental value of the business. Make, it's, make it worth more. Deploy your capital into the ground, execute in a smart way to increase the value of that. And as that value increases and your multiple increases, Trading share risk. Right. And, and just kind of finish off again for retail, lots of different types of audiences here for family offices, institutional guys, but lots of retail as well. Let's try and say that in English for them because um, a, a, a bigger PNAV, an increased multiple, benefits me how? 
I mean, you talked about maybe dividends there, but how does in a market right now which is not valued fundamentals? There's some fantastic companies out there, way undervalued. Yeah, and I'm sure you don't agree with one of. Them. Yeah. But it, it's it's hard to actually understand how and why the market's valuing companies like it is at the moment. So, but why now or in the future will this this increase? Uh, multiple, will this increased PNAB convert into a direct benefit for me, which I usually see from dividends and, and share prices? You just right there. Increased share price, right? You basically, you're, you're investing into a company today that is fundamentally sound, that is moving forward, uh, you know, based on its own cash generation, mm. that is getting more valuable, that as more people in the market start to recognize that, that increases your share price, so you get recognition for that multiple. And as a cash reaches a certain level, you have the potential for return of cash to shareholders, right? There's also the NCIB where you can execute on that when, when share prices are low. So there's multiple ways to get a return or a total return perspective if you're looking at share price and dividends. And a lot of those mid-tier producers are paying dividends out. And that's certainly in our future moving forward as we get off this large capital spend of Adant. Brilliant. Okay. Same. Okay. See you soon. Okay.